the 920 KBEC Podcast Network is presented by the Slow County Real Estate Podcast with House Swayze. Up-to-date information on the local real estate market on your time. New episodes weekly at the podcast link at 920kvec.com and wherever you get your podcasts. California DRE 01111911. All right, Craig, thank you. 506 on the Central Coast. It is Monday, February 12th, 2024. I'm Dave Congleton. At about an hour, Dr. Armstead reacts to uh, news out of Israel. I remind you, on Wednesday, we're in conversation with the editor of the Tribune, Joe Tarika, as they are changing their news model. He will explain. This hour, always good to be in conversation with our city manager, Derek Johnson. We always appreciate the fact that Derek makes himself accessible to the media when we want a conversation, he's there as he is now. Derek, good afternoon. Good good to be here, Dave. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Uh, thanks for coming in. Let's start with some really good news, although there's no controversy today. Uh, this weekend, we had the first Luna New Year event. Thousand people? We had about a thousand people that came downtown. It was a fantastic event. Over a thousand people came to honor the remaining original buildings in San Luis Obispo's historic Chinatown. Uh, it was the 150—that's right, 150th anniversary of the Ah Lewis building. That's amazing. Uh, and may, people may know it at the Ah Louis building, but if you ask the new generation of family, they call it the Ah Lewis yeah. uh, building. And so we also celebrated 2024, the Year of the Dragon. It was just a really fantastic event. And a good way to remember it, it's San Luis and it's Al Luis. Don't do San Luis, don't do Al Luis. Correct, absolutely. You hear people, <laughs> and apparently the original generation was Al Louis, yeah. and, then, and the new generation said, hey, let's correct that pronunciation. So how did the, this event come about, and what was the role of the city versus private? Yeah, so we were able to partner with one of our partners, Carson Butler, who is just phenomenal. They do just a great job. They have been one of our partners in helping to activate downtown, and they came up with the idea. We partnered with them um, in helping put together a street fair. There were performers. There was a stage. And it was really just an opportunity for us to remember that there were uh, a key part of our community. At one point, San Luis Obispo had the largest diaspora of Chinese people in California during the time that the railroad was being built. And so, uh, you know, just to remember a a community that really contributed to what we are today. Yeah. But it also suggests that the city would benefit from more such events. Absolutely. You know, a big hit was the drone show. It was the first we've ever done. Hopefully many of your listeners and you, Dave, have had a chance to see the drone show. Uh, We were able to partner with a group out of, I believe it was Los Angeles. Um, They send, you know, hundreds of drones up into the sky and they're able to, you know, paint um, different images and spell out different words. There was happy new year in the sky. Uh, There was a heart with slow in the middle. There was a dance dragon in the sky, things that we couldn't imagine 10 years ago were happening in front of our eyes. And it didn't happen with the boom and the bang, you know, that sometimes upsets some of the community. Uh, Might this be an annual event? We're hoping to really see, and this is really a call to all of your listeners, we love these kind of community-initiated events. They are really the heart and soul of what uh, really is San Luis Obispo. They're authentic, and we have people who are talented, 
We'd love to celebrate Lunar New Year or other events. That's what really San Luis Obispo is about. We used to briefly, in the early 2000s, have first night. Are you familiar with that concept? And then it went away. We're New Year's Eve. People come downtown. There are all sorts of events. No alcohol, no drinking. Family-oriented event was a great idea, but then it fizzled after a while. I'd love to see that back. Yeah, we need local organizing uh, committee members to really make that stuff happen. Uh, you know, at one point there was a Fiesta group, there was a Mardi Gras group, um, and I think those times can come back. People are yearning for those local experiences. Wait a minute. Be careful. Are you going to come, come on the radio and say you're in favor of bringing Mardi Gras no, back? No, I'm not <laughs> suggesting that. But what I'm saying is there are events. Yeah. And at one point, Mardi Gras was tame. It yeah. was under control, and people yeah, were right. having a great time. I miss Mardi and Gras. And a lot of times, just like many events, it gets overtaken, and you know it goes in the wrong way. We can do events that have an impact and the right size for slow. Open to suggestions. If people have suggestions. Absolutely. If we have suggestions, you can call Molly Kano, our talented economic development manager. Um, you can talk to Jackie Clarksworth in her office, who was really the person that made a lot of it happen in partnership with uh, Carson Butler. So those are the two folks that I would reach out to. I've seen Molly's name more and more. What exactly is her role? of economic development. What's she in charge of? She is the economic development manager. So she is in charge for liaisoning with business, whether you want to stay in town in your business, you want to help your business grow, or you want to come to town, or even more broadly, she works with the larger economic development community uh, to make sure that we're paying attention to the trends and the issues, and we're modifying the way we approach and engage with the private sector. Derek Johnson, our city manager, is here for the hour. We're already, already getting text messages. We'll get to those in your phone calls here in a little bit. All right, so that's the good news about downtown. Let's make the segue. How are things going in the downtown? What is the city manager hearing? So there's some great things that are happening right now. Um, there's about $200 million worth of investment that's happening in in downtown San Luis Obispo between the parking structure and many different projects. Um, you know, the economy is, you know, is in environment is dynamic. We're seeing changes happening as people's spending and experience uh, habits shift. Uh, shift. Um, I'll give you some numbers to just help uh, paint the picture. Okay. State sales tax uh, for um, the uh, the third quarter, July of September last year. That's the latest economic data we have uh, available. Statewide, we're down about one point five percent. Slow County sales tax rates, and these are that is a proxy for overall economic activity. Were flat. It was zero percent. The city of San Luis Obispo outperformed every other city in the county. And in particular, sales tax from restaurants and hotels and auto sales outperformed last year. So overall, the city of Slow's uh, total sales tax receipts were up 1.7% year over year, exceeding both the state and the local county uh, numbers. Hmm. Uh, but a couple things that uh, come out of that. One, I want to make sure we remind folks about the parking survey that they can take online. How does that work, Derek, and what's the deadline for doing that? Yeah, great question. Let me see. I've, I've got some details here. There is a parking survey that's going out right now. We are in the process of soliciting feedback. We know it's a sore point. 
And I'd just like to remind, you know, all of um, the, the, your listeners today uh, that we've had to make some substantial investments. You know, that new parking structure was really the driving reason why we had to uh, make some changes. And so um, we want to hear from the community opportunities to provide input. Um, so this month we've got community meetings and that online survey. If you go to www.slowcity.org forward slash parking, you can participate in the survey. Um, in March of 2024, the survey results and there'll be one more community meeting. And then in April of this year, the parking rate study will be presented to the city council. And really, Dave, what we're looking to figure out here is how do we come up with parking pricing that makes sense, that's fair, that's predictable. You don't have to have a master's in parking to figure it out or have to be a tech giant to figure it out. Are you getting a good response? Are people responding, taking the time to do the survey or too early to tell you? People are passionate about slow. And I think we, we see, you know, whether it's the police department strategic plan or our DEI work, we see record number of people participating. And so we're good. already seeing more participation than our consultancies in other markets. Is there still free parking in the garages on Sunday? There is still free parking on Sunday in the garages on Sunday. Plus, you get a first free hour when you park um, in the parking structures. And so for two hours, you can park for three bucks. Let's uh, preempt a couple of phone calls here, please, Derek. Up in Paso Robles, as you know, they have a similar controversy, and I guess they've decided to pause their parking program. Why is that a different situation than ours? Yeah, so I think there's some differences there. Is that the city of Paso paused the parking because there was a legal challenge related to some alleged Brown Act or open meeting laws uh, violations, and uh, the community felt they weren't properly notified of the parking rate changes. Um, we have followed all of the required noticing requirements in the city, um, and so um, and I think you know there's some there's some market differences. You know, the city of San Luis Obispo, we have. Nearly well, when the, the last parking structure is built, we'll have over 1,700 structured parking spaces. There is not a single parking structure, public one, in Paso Robles. And yeah. so when you have a quarter billion, and that's right, a quarter billion dollars worth of parking assets and structures, you're just going to have a cost difference because you have to pay for that. Mm. I know you saw the op-ed piece at Cal Coast News from uh, Joe Benson. He ran for city council. I suspect he's going to run again. He has suggested that we embrace something called demand-driven parking fees. Before you comment, can you explain how that works? Yeah, that's that's something that's already here locally. The Actually, in the city of, of Pismo Beach, they have demand-based pricing. And so they have real-time intelligence. There's sensors in the parking spaces that look at when there's demand. So the price goes up or down depending on the demand. So it encourages people to come downtown when it may be a slow night or a slow day. And you uh, the, the prices are, are priced accordingly. In the city of Pismo Beach, that number is, uh, uh, that pricing is controlled by the police department, by the police chief, and it can go upwards of $7 an hour. Yeah. So what do you think about that for San Luis? Any advantages to it? 
I think there could be some tremendous advantages. I think that there's a lot of ideas that could come out of this uh, parking uh, pricing study. We could look at demand-based pricing. We could look at tiered-based pricing. We could look at, for example, and I know a, a point of, of, of conversation in the community is evening hours from 6 to 9. Is yeah. there a flat fee rather than have to pay by the hour, or should it be discounted from 6 to 9? There are a whole host of ideas that ultimately can get us to what is required is that ultimately parking can pay for the cost. Is that likely then to come from staff or from a particular city council member? So the so we, we you know, as you can imagine um, you know the the pricing and working out um, the forecasting of both the costs for parking and how much revenue will generate is something that's fairly technical and so we have a consultant that is in turn asking for public feedback will then. Um, base that feedback, come up with some options, and then we'll recommend a list of options for the city council. You're going to love this question on the Stolberg line. Listener wants to know if you're applying to be the new CAO of the county. Uh, I am not in competition for that role. <laughs> Derek Johnson is here for the hour uh, talking about what's happening inside City Hall a little bit. We'll welcome your phone calls and keep the conversation going. This is Hometown Radio for the Central Coast. It is the Dave Congleton Show. Welcome to your phone calls and text messages for City Manager Derek Johnson. After news at the bottom of the hour, we're just covering the waterfront with the city manager, getting his perspective about what is happening in this town we all love so much. What else about downtown? I was telling you during the break, I've heard from some of the business people I'm in touch with. I'm like, how are things going? And the consensus seems to be, Derek, things are better, things are okay, but they'd like more. Absolutely. And there's always uh, more that the city uh, can do to help support downtown uh, San Luis Obispo. We're doing a lot. Um, you know, you may have seen an addition. I'm really proud of our police department. We added our community service officers. So we have now four dedicated community service officers that are doing a foot patrol around downtown. It has really helped uh, make sure that there is order uh, and that uh, in the downtown and that we have you know good response when needed uh, you may have seen also additionally we're doing an extensive amount of maintenance in the downtown paving yeah. projects painting projects yeah. people expect an amazing experience and they deserve that for what they pay in downtown san luis obispo so whether you know and my mantra has been clean safe beautiful um, and so if we can achieve those things we can get people to downtown one thing I'll share is that you know, we just wrapped up our buy local bonus program and our eat local bonus program, and these are rough number, numbers. Um, our buy local bonus program induced about a million dollars worth of spending downtown, wow. and our eat local bonus program, which used to be called Restaurant Week, we believe that that program caused people to go out and spend about a quarter million dollars in uh, in dining. And so these programs have been replicated throughout California, uh, Dave, and I'm pretty proud of them happening here first and slow. One side note, I just want to publicly uh, just say I, I'm very pleased with the police chief, Rick Scott. I think he does a great job. You know, we're really lucky to have Chief Scott. Um, he has tr provided tremendous leadership. Um, he's innovative. He's thoughtful. If you had a chance to listen in on his strategic plan that he brought to the city council a few weeks ago, it is innovative. It is forward-leaning and one that I think is the right fit for SLOW. 
You mentioned paving, and I jotted down my notes to talk with you about the 2024 paving project. What is exactly is that, please? So every year um, before the city uh, begins its uh, paving uh, program, we go out and solicit public feedback because oftentimes when we're out there, we mobilize our contractors to do paving work. We want to hear from the community. Do you want another crosswalk there? Um, is there how is the parking configured? Do you would you like less red curb, more red, uh, more red curb, yeah. uh, green curb? So we do all, do all that outreach. This next year, one of the areas that we'll be particularly focusing on is on Grand Avenue. Um, if you recall, last year we had a student that died mm-hmm. uh, going down Grand Avenue, and so we're working closely with Cal Poly to look at what can we do in that uh, area as we repave. Hmm. All right. Uh, a couple of other things before the news break. One, storms. We seem to be more prepared this year, probably because of what happened last year. You know, it's a storm response. I'm really proud of the team. Um, we removed literally tens of thousands of sediment from our creeks. Um, Dave, last year we incurred as a city about over $30 million worth of damage. We hope to get about 93.5% of those costs reimbursed from the state and federal government. We completed in record time that project in the corner of San Luis Drive and um, California, um, nearly 25-foot tall wall, about a hun- nearly 100 feet long, $7 million project. It was completed within one year of the date of the damage. Mm-hmm. That is record time. It just shows, you know, and I'm proud of this because I am always thinking about as an American, what can we do to make sure we're making progress and this year we were ready. We saw better flows. I'll just give you some numbers. We had 66 incidents uh, on February 4th. Most were down trees. Most of those were resolved that day. We had 14 lingering ones. Uh, and so my team is knocking it out of the park, making sure that we're taking care of our community during these emergency times. Let's update on some projects. You mentioned the parking structure, the new parking structure. I guess the official title is Cultural Arts parking structure where are we on that place so uh we've uh we've selected our contractor uh swinnerton uh they're one of the oldest contractors in the state of california um it's a 397 uh parking garage 41 electric vehicle charging space uh spaces um and it's going to accommodate both the future home the slow repertory theater um we've set aside a pad for them and additionally we've got a spot set aside for an affordable housing project that can provide up to 12 to 18 units so it's an amazing project. They have um, not started uh, a, lar- a, lar- a large part of the grading work because of the rains. Mm-hmm. They don't want to move a lot of heavy, wet soil. And so they're waiting for things to dry out before they really start getting into the ground. All right, but I got a minute uh, in the news break. What about more uh, charging stations? Because across California, as you know, they want us to go to EVs, but there are not enough charging stations. So two years ago, my team uh, uh, led, my sustainability team uh, brought forward a proposal, and we will have three fast charging uh, locations installed this summer, one at Santa Rosa Park um, in the parking lot, one at the Calle Joaquin um, uh, 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 Park and Ride, um, one at um, Johnson Park, and then eventually we'll have uh, fast charging over at the Amtrak station, and there's one other location that escapes me right now, but we've got five in play. And then we want to be the most dense, richest place where you can come charge your car, either on a, you know, on a slower charge or with a fast charge. 
All right, we are doing a fast charge to the news, and we got traffic, and we've got weather, and we've got more of our conversation with the city manager, Derek Johnson, and we'll include your phone calls and read some of your text messages as well. All that straight ahead on today's edition of Hometown Radio. If you're just joining us, our guest is the city manager of San Luis Obispo, Derek Johnson. He's just here to report on all sorts of things that are happening in our city. If you want in on the conversation, feel free to join us. Phone lines are open. The text line is fired up at 805-543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Before we go to the phones, what about uh, recruiting new businesses and getting them to come to town? What's the appeal? How do you, what, what's, the, what's the case you make to consider the slow life? The case that we make is that you've got one of the best places to live in California. You've got um, great services. You've got good water supply. Um, and you've got, most importantly, you've got a talent pipeline from Cuesta and Cal Poly. You've got young, eager people who are ready day one to begin their work. Is it more people coming into the area or Cal Poly students who are trying to figure out a way to stay? Lots of Cal Poly students want to stay here, you know, and so as we were talking during the break, one of the biggest impediments is housing. Housing, the cost of housing is just, you know, astronomical here. It's extra, uh, or extraordinarily expensive. And so a lot of students um, leave because they can make more outside of San Luis Obispo. You don't get the sunshine tax. Uh, and and housing can be less expensive. All right. 805-543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Here's Jeff in San Luis on KVEC. Hi, Jeff. Hi, how are you folks today? Never better. I'm glad to hear that. I uh, I have two things I would like to address, if I may. The first being, as you know, I have always had great concerns about the safety of our community here. And months ago... Uh, at a council meeting, uh, myself and others had spoke about the parking garage in garages and folks that have fallen to their death from these parking garages. And uh, there was a senator, Senator Laird, that you had spoken with, Mr. Johnson, and At this meeting, you had mentioned that there was money that was given towards uh, video cameras and uh, making the structures safe. And it has been several months. There's money there for it. Where's the money gone? And why is it so many years before you're even going to start? All right, so let's broaden the question. Are there cameras in the parking garages? Are there going to be cameras 
you know what he's referring to in terms of Senator Laird? Dave, uh, first off, let me just say right now, um, you may have seen a tremendous amount of maintenance activity that's happening in our parking structures. We're methodically going through them. I know it's an inconvenience for our users, and a lot of these are safety improvements. Uh, I just want to say, as I, as I mentioned at the council meeting that Mr. Speck uh, attended, there is no state money that has ever been provided to the city of San Luis Obispo for cameras. And... I am working with my police chief, and we intend to look at what are cost-effective options to provide some sort of uh, safety uh, and security cameras at all parking structures, and we expect to come back to the council at a future hearing. What's your second question, Jeff? Uh, And my second question, again, a safety issue. Uh, Many times I have both gone through videotaping and interviewing uh, folks that are living at the Santa Rosa Park on uh, Santa Rosa Street there. And there is an unreal amount of people in broad daylight that are using fentanyl and methamphetamine both. They're smoking it while children are riding by on their bicycles. Families are at the skate park there <laughs> enjoying themselves. And in the midst of it, you have folks that are openly doing drugs. Is there a question here, Jeff? And Well, my question is, Mr. Johnson, you are the CEO, and this is under your watch. Do you feel that this park is being as filthy as it is? Mattresses, garbage okay. everywhere. Right. We get the idea here. My, yes, and concerns my, about my, life in the park. Yeah, my my request to uh, the community and, and Chief Scott would see this say, say the same thing. See something, say something. Anytime there's illegal activity, and the city in no way condones open drug use, fentanyl and methamphetamines are a scourge that are ravaging California and the rest of the United States, and we need someone to call, and if you call, we'll get a car out there to t- take action. All right, Jeff, thank you. 805-543-8830-800-549-5832. Here's Don on KVEC. Hi, Don. Hi, Dave. Hi, Hi Don. Mr. Johnson. Hi. Um, Hi. I'm wondering what opinion you have on California's ADU, the accessory dwelling units that they're trying to force on us and their rezoning of single-family homes to multifamily without actually rezoning it. They're just putting these units in by fiat. You know, it is certainly something that the city of San Luis Obispo has been working on. We have received a tremendous amount of state mandates over the last uh, five-plus years. During my tenure as the city manager, I think last year there was over 20 housing bills, uh, and many of them have severely curtailed local control about accessory dwelling units. The intent, I think, is something is to provide affordable housing. Uh, not quite sure that it's achieving that. It is providing additional units. I will say that in many neighborhoods, Parking, sewer, and water, and other uh, utilities are a challenge, and my team is doing our best to try to accommodate that state mandate. Don. Yeah, but it, it's essentially eliminating zoning. I have a property next door to me that a developer just bought, and there was a shed, which they're now converting to an ADU, which sits right on the property line, and it's a non-conforming building and they're doing everything to approve it 
and that puts a three-unit on a single-family property, and there's multi-family uh, zoning a block away, but they're doing it on our block. Yeah, but Don, you live in Aurora Grande, right? Yeah, but this applies yeah. across statewide. I mean, that's yeah. why I'm wondering what San Luis Obispo is doing about it, because it, it applies everywhere. Fair enough. We've done everything we can to require that um, issues in neighborhoods be uh, addressed, whether it's parking or uh, architectural um, consistency with the uh, primary structure. But here again, the state has largely curtailed any local discretion. Uh, Don, thank you. Is it similar to the state dictating growth rates and housing rates? Correct. Absolutely. We, we Every few years, every eight years, the, the county and our region receives a mandate for housing. The city, I think last time, got nearly 1,500 units we're required by law uh, to implement those state mandates, and if we don't, then we have to cede over our local control over to the state or a judge. Let's hear from Rob in San Luis. Hi, Rob. Hey, Derek. How you doing, Dave? Well, good, Rob. Thank you. Hey, listen, Derek. I have a question about the uh, the street maintenance. So. I've seen this crazy thing going on on Santa Barbara where you're putting these little barriers up, I guess, to protect protect the, the bicyclists. But I kind of wanted to talk close to home. I have an office downstairs from where you are right now. And if you take a drive down Sacramento, go south on Sacramento, down towards industrial, I mean, it's like a, the pavement is like a war zone. And I think the last time it was repaved, it was uh, not done properly. But the point being, we're spending money and resources putting these little barriers up, but we're really not uh, putting the effort or the priority where I think they should be on some of the streets that are in pretty bad repair. And I'm just wondering if you've really uh, got a handle on all of this, Derek. Let's hear from our city manager. So there's a process but which we undertake to determine priorities, and we were very fortunate in 2020 to get the support of the community for additional percent on our sales tax, and so that's really enabled us to kept, catch up on a lot of deferred maintenance. Our uh, pavement uh, index is over 70. I'm uh, sorry, what does that mean? So basically, it is an index that looks at the condition of our, of our pavement, and it's the highest in our, in our county. Uh, Sacramento, you are right, needs some work. In fact, we just went to the city council uh, on February 6th. They've allocated some uh, funding to make some, uh, some repairs, and we expect to make some full repairs. You're also right that that road was not designed for the use that it's getting. We didn't anticipate years ago that we'd see UPS trucks, FedEx trucks, a lot of the heavy trucks. And so next time when we go through and really reconstruct the entire road, it will be constructed in a way that um, takes into account the type of use and the heavy trucks. Rob. Yeah, I, I'm glad you're taking some attention there, but I'm, you know, I'm just really a little bit uh perplexed on why we're putting those barriers up on, on Santa Barbara, whose idea that is. I personally think, and only time will tell, that it'll be more of a traffic hazard than it'll be a protection to the bicyclists. And, you know, we're, we're going really overboard on all this bicycle benefit. And, you know, I understand. I rode a bicycle when I was a kid. 
But uh, here's a suggestion. Maybe the police ought to get out and hand out uh, citations to bicyclists who don't follow the law. That would be a nice plus for the law-abiding motor vehicle drivers. You're putting a lot out there, Rob. Whose idea was the bike protection lane on South Oso Street? Yeah, so you're seeing a lot of these protected bike lanes. They're in, they've been installed around the world. If you leave the Central Coast, they're quite a frequent uh, feature uh, in urban environments these days. I think it's important to remember that in the last couple of years, we've seen a double-digit increase in fatalities of cyclists and pedestrians. And what those facilities do is they provide a physical barrier for, for cyclists, and they slow traffic. And we know if a car hits a pedestrian or cyclist and they're going less than 30 miles an hour, their chances of survival increase considerably. If you're hit uh, at 25 miles an hour, you have a 95% chance of living. If a car is going 40 miles an hour, that drops to below 50%. And so having seven people that have been killed in the last couple of years, we're taking this very seriously. How do we slow cars and make it safer for everyone? Rob, thanks for the call. We're in conversation with Derek Johnson, the city manager here in San Luis Obispo. 805-543-8830 is the number. Mary Jane is on KVEC. Hi, Mary Jane. Hi, my name is Mary Jane Jodry. I'm calling from Atascadero. Hi, Mary Jane. And I've met with um, Derek Johnson and the um, you know, city council several times. My son is the young, one of the young men who fell from the parking structure on Marsh Street and passed away. And uh, I've met with city council and asked them what we could do about making the parking structure safe. And I just want to straighten out a couple of things here. I met with them privately afterwards, and I, they told me it was going to cost about $5 million to have the uh, parking structures made safer and that there just wasn't any money available. And I asked them what I could do to help. I said, do you want me to go to Sacramento? And they said, absolutely. So I contacted all my, um, all the people I needed to contact to have that happen. And Senator John Laird met with me and the Tribune and also the Atascadero News, uh, Chloe Jones and Camille Duvall were in were there when we met, and uh, Senator Laird said that he would talk to the city council. I went to the, I followed up with the city council at a meeting and, you know, told them that I had met with Senator John Laird, and uh, the the, uh, mayor, uh, Erica Stewart, came, and I was leaving the building. She came and got me, and afterwards she told me that there was, money available to make to put cameras in the parking structures and i guess that's how all of this be you know people attributed the money as being given by the state i would like to know um where that money was coming from and you were present when erica stewart told me this um mr johnson well where was that money coming from i know that there was an issue with the wi-fi um putting the cameras in the parking structures but maybe it would be a good time now to clarify exactly what the issue is on putting the safety features into the parking structures derek first off let me just say you know it's really feel for your loss and your family's loss that has been the forefront thank you and i appreciate that and i know that you all really mean that and 
you know, we met in earnest when we talked about all this stuff. Right. So what came out of all this, Derek? So, I, you know, this has been an evolving question. We're, we're fortunate, as uh, Dave mentioned earlier, to have a very talented police chief, Chief Scott. He sits on a technical commi- committee for International uh, Police Chief Association. So we have been exploring what are cost-effective alternatives to provide a level of video surveillance and recordings uh, for those uh, facilities. Um, he is still uh, working on that. But I want to be—I want to clear up something for you and the listeners. Um, the city has not allocated any funding. There, this essentially at this point, we're waiting to develop a full cost estimate for what it would take to retrofit those structures and provide some level of reasonable um, surveillance and uh, videos at each one of those entry points. But did Laird offer money? There is no state funding that has been provided. Um, and there is no, no he state didn't meet there. with you all. I know that he did not offer money. Okay. But didn't you guys tell me that for sure you were going to be putting cameras in the parking structures? We indicated, um, as, as I am uh, today, is that, in fact, we have uh, a process underway to come up with an estimate and that any sort of consideration for cameras would be subject to the budget process with the city council. I have to leave it at that, Mary Jane. Thank you for your call. We go to Lance in San Luis on KVEC. Hi, Lance. Dave, how you doing? Never better. Good. Well, this this is real easy. This, this considering what what you've been hitting, uh, uh, getting the calls on. Um, brief history on how come the city owns 306 acres out in the Santa Lucia Wilderness Area, and who's responsible for the trail at Little Falls? Great question. So uh, the city of San Luis Obispo has a uh, a uh, long-range vision for securing open space around the city. It has been a key part of our efforts. And so from time to time, we acquire uh, various different open space in fee, meaning we own it outright. In some cases, we own it by easement. And wherever we can, even if it's outside the city, we like to preserve open space. In that area in question, there is uh, trails out there. We work with uh, Concern uh, Central Coast mountain bikers or other groups and volunteers to maintain and build trails. And if always, if there's any uh, interest that you have on trail maintenance or have any requests, you can always reach out to our talented ranger team. Lance. Well, is it, but are we, meaning the city, responsible for maintaining that, or is this uh, forest service? Because since it's in the, it's in the uh, national forest, the actual, actual land is in the national forest. So I'm wondering who I need to talk to, because the trail had some pretty good damage from last winter, yeah. and the trail is still damaged. Who should he talk to? Yeah, you should reach out um, to Bob Hill. Um, he's our natural resources manager. He'll have a full understanding and get you connected to the right people. Bob Hill. Thank you, Lance. Let's try to squeeze in a couple more phone calls for the city manager. Alan is in San Luis. Hi, Alan. Hi, Dave. Hi, Derek. The question is about Laguna Lake. They've talked for many years about dredging. Is that going to happen? We dredged it once, and we learned a lot. We had a pilot program, and so we've got dredging in future plans. Uh, I think, you know, this last year, we were were removed out of the Perfumo Arm, which is the feeder of a lot of the sediment, Mm -hmm. about 10,000 cubic yards. If you've gone down and seen the Perfumo Arm, it's never looked better. And that means we've pulled out sediment that otherwise would have filled in the lake. 
but we're not going to stop there. We have other dredging projects here in the near future. So is there a target date to actually dredge the lake itself to increase its capacity? I think we're going to do it every other year. I think the, perhaps is it this summer or the following summer. Um, and if you reach out to Matt Horn or Bob Hill um, in our natural resources, Bob Hill will probably be the best contact. He can give you, give you the exact dates of when those projects are going to get underway. Bob Hill's becoming popular on this show. Alan, thank you. We've got John in San Luis. Hi, John. Good afternoon, Dave and uh, Mr. Johnson. I'd like to circle back to the paving project you're talking about in 2024. Yes. I was part of the um, Broad Street group that came in last week to City Council, and I just want to tell you how impressed we all were walking under the amount of staff time that you gave our suggestions, our proposal, and going to council and going to bat for us, because we feel like you've made a difference, and we truly appreciate that. As I seem to say, before Derek comments, what is it that you're asking from the city? What brought you to the meeting? Um, in 2014, Broad Street was approved for an update for the traffic plan, and it hasn't happened. And we just became to the point where we reached a tipping point trying to slow down the speed on Broad Street, trying to get the improvements made that the 2014 plan uh, wanted to have done. Yeah, Derek. Yeah, so thank you, John. Uh, you know, it was a good meeting. I'm, you know, this is local government and democracy at work where the community identifies a need, the council figures out a way, and identifies some funding. Uh, Dave and John, you know, we, uh, well, we've been on a, a long uh, journey with this. You know, that was a state highway all the way to South Street up until uh, 2009. And then when the Caltrans gave that roadway to the city, we were able to turn the speeding speed sign from 55 miles an hour to 40. But that's not enough. Um, we know to change the environment, just as we heard from a caller earlier. We've got to we've got to make some investments in that property, or excuse me, in that in that facility. And so that will happen with the funding that the city council allocated last uh, Tuesday. What else, John? That's it. You know, that's what I want. I just wanted to say thank you to Mr. Johnson for having a really good staff. Were you surprised by that, John? Um, that is, he has a good staff. No, what? but I was very surprised by the council's um, giving us budgeting money to update the plan, which is a lot more than we expected. Good. Glad to hear it. John, thanks for the call. We'll come back and wrap things up with Derek Johnson. We're live. We're local. We're hometown radio where we're about to wrap things up with Derek Johnson. We thank him, as always, for his availability. Was there anything we didn't cover this hour that you were hoping to talk about? Well, first off, Dave, thanks for having me on the show, and thanks for all the callers who uh, brought in and asked some questions. I love fielding those questions and making sure our community stays informed. You know, I think this year is going to be really important that our community continue to be engaged. 2024 is an election year. We have a mayor up for election. We have uh, two council seats. Um, council member Pease is uh, is um, she's termed out. She's termed out. Yeah. And so we're going to have one fully open spe- uh, seat. Uh, a question of whether council member Marks uh, will be uh, returning to the dais or trying to run for the dais. And I think uh, and um, and our mayor, uh, you know, she's indicated that she'll be running. So we've got you know um, we've got we've got a need for the community community to stay involved. We have a budget coming up in June, so we want to hear from the community about things that we think that you think uh, we need to, if we need to shift any sort of priorities. Uh, and, you know, I've been in this business for over 30 years. I have never seen such a responsive uh, form of local government. And so we can only do this and serve the community if we hear from you. When is the deadline again for the online parking survey and how do people participate? 
They go to slowcity.org forward slash parking. Let me get the exact date. Um, so, um, I think it's sometime in March. Yeah, so I think uh, you, there's a couple things going on. So we've got uh, a, meet, a meeting tomorrow, Tuesday, February the 13th from 6 to 8th at Library Community Room. You can attend a virtual community uh, meeting on Wednesday, February 14th. The online survey closes on March 8th. All right, we're out of here. Thank you, Derek. Back on the other side with Professor Armstead. Stick around. The 920 KBEC Podcast Network is presented by the Slow County Real Estate Podcast with House Swayze. Up-to-date information on the local real estate market on your time. New episodes weekly at the podcast link at 920kvec.com and wherever you get your podcasts. California DRE 01111911.